This is a Think Live Be production. It was after those that cold spell. Well, I like the cold spell. Yeah. It was a little cold. All I wanted to do yesterday, I, yesterday I got distracted. All I wanted to do was go sit outside in the sun because I love when it's like 50s and it's cold, but the sun is out. Yep. Oh, it's such a beautiful, beautiful yep. thing. I like sitting in my car in the morning, not freezing to death. So <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> well, you have heating and air conditioning. Yeah, now. I have heating. But guess what? This car doesn't have what? heated seats. Oh, well, can't win them all, guys. <laughs> Goals <laughs> next year or, well, you just got that. So maybe a couple years. You got to run into the ground first. Yeah. No, this is going, <laughs> going, going down. Goals. <laughs> Have you made your goals for 2021? I've got all kinds of goals for 2021. <laughs> the, the the ticket to achieving the goals, I think, is to actually look at them periodically so that you remember what your intentions were. <laughs> well, do you look at your goals that you set in the beginning of this year? I have not looked at those in a really long time, like whatever I wrote out for 2020, because I kind of threw that out by like March. That's true. I think a lot of people I was did. like, forget this. <laughs> We're not doing this anymore. Um, we probably shouldn't have done that in retrospect. No, we should have probably kept trucking on with them. I mean, I know everybody said like shift and pivot. Um, and we did like we jumped on all of that stuff. Um, so I guess we didn't. It's not like we just sat around and were lazy. But I don't think we like intentionally looked at goals for a couple months. Like it was just kind of like, what else do we need to do to keep, I keep think moving forward? We minimized how far we were looking ahead in that time. Because I mean, we still kind of set goals for the week or the intentions for the day. Well, yeah, like typical, just like, OK, today I'm going to do this. But I just mean the the big picture goal for the year was like just kind of thrown out the window. And I don't think I really look back at that ever again. After we went on lockdown, which is, yeah, that's not how you do it. <laughs> if you're listening, that's not how For you. For the next uh, pandemic, wait, should it come? Are we recording? Are we? Yeah, we are. I was just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not in charge of that yeah, department. Yeah, we are. That's you. And your name is Patrick Batika, and you're the sound engineer and producer. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. Yep. <laughs> well, you're listening to Seeking the Best. This is our podcast. And... We do try to seek out the best in ourselves and overcome the personal hurdles of being realtors in this crazy profession, in this crazy world. And across from me is my director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hi. And um, that was different sounding. Hi. <laughs> that was more. Hi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'm Catherine Stelgis. And um, and then we already introduced yeah, Patrick. We're good. We're good. We're here. <laughs> but yeah, we're almost into a new year. <sighs> I'm so excited. Are you? Yeah, I really am. 21's my number. I kind of am too. Oh, right. What? Wait, what'd you say? 21's my family number. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is my year. No weird... further questions. No, no further never questions. mind. <laughs> I was just thinking about turning the page on a whole host of things in 2021. I guess I... And that's kind of exciting, I guess. Yeah. You know. I mean, I do like a new year. It feels like I know, but this year in particular, so. there's lots of changes happening mm-hmm. yeah. in the in the next couple months. So, yeah. um, hopefully, hopefully all, all for the good. Hopefully, on the way up. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. Like normally, 
I, I like the year to change because it gives you like a like a deadline and a reason to reevaluate, I guess. Yeah, it's a arbitrary yeah, it could you could pick any yeah, day of the week. And- Mar- some people use their birthday, you know. So it. Oh, I've never even thought about doing I was, that. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Yeah, so, it's a new year. Yeah, some people do. That's that. actually literally the new year. I've never thought about doing that. Yeah. So, so there's a lot, but but still to have um have guides on it. I know you're reading that book, right? Yes, the twelve week year yeah and it's awesome and i'm excited about that so that by putting putting uh guide guardrails and putting uh deadlines on things even on a a year-to-year basis it's always then you're not just floating in the ether yeah well just like a, a recap of of that book i don't know where like all of a sudden out of nowhere all my coach is talking about this 12 week year i and heard it over the weekend too yeah like it's this new buzz and everybody I got the book for christmas <laughs> <laughs> well and honestly i'm reading the book i didn't check to see when it came out but it definitely seems to at least for our little circle and uh, our you know and maps coaching and stuff is like it's it's taking foot um and uh so it's basically though it's it's exactly that like you you're only planning out 12 weeks and then that's the deadline so that you create a sense of urgency around all those activities just like you would the end of the year or some other deadline that you set for yourself like okay we have to you know depending on what industry it is some people might have like a really big fourth quarter because they want to finish out the year strong so the idea is to instead of like planning an entire year and then continuing to get behind every month <laughs> and then saying, well, we got time to make it up. Instead of doing that, you plan in these shorter bursts. And I don't know, that was just really, and I guess I'm not alone. Like I was like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. Bite-sized morsels. Yeah. Why am I thinking about an entire year if I just do these little chunks? And then I also like the idea is that you work really hard for these 12 weeks. And then if you hit your goals, you um, take the 13th week off or like, you know, reward yourself in yeah. some way. And I thought that was kind of a cool little thing. So at the end of the year, you end up, if, if you hit your goals, you end up only working 48 weeks right? and actually having four More weeks productive. off, you know, if you followed it to a T or at least just reward yourself in that 13th week and like, cause you're on track for your, your plan. Right. But, um, I I did I did finish that this weekend. I finished my twelve week plan. So I I'm reading the starting, book starting January first. Is that when your twelve week starts or I second put, or what a third? I put that date and then I was like, I'm gonna start it on January fourth or whatever that first day is. Right. But I'm actually gonna start working on the stuff this week. Oh, you're getting a head start. <laughs> I'm gonna like beat the system. Yeah. <laughs> um because why not? I mean it's all stuff that I should have been doing anyways, right. but it's just more like I got a little bit distracted on it because I was like, well, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing now to get to the year goal? But that's not the point. The point is like, what if you just, and this is literally what I did to work through this, um, is what if you did just a little bit better than your best first quarter of the year? So I looked back at where with Keller Williams, we have access to our multi-year trend reports. So I can literally just push a button and see what I've done over the last however many, like a few years. Like I think it goes back four or five years and I can see what I've done in the first quarter, well, every quarter for that matter. And so I can say, okay, 
well, my best first quarter was X units or X GCI or whatever I want to increase, right? And what if I just did a little bit better than that? And then what would that be? Right. Then you work your numbers backwards yeah, from that. there. And so I'm making up arbitrary numbers, but like if if your best first quarter is selling 15 units, what is that? Well, that's a lot for most people. But if it was 10 um, 10 units, let's make it nine because there's three months in a quarter. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So, so if your best quarter, first quarter of the year was nine units, like that's the most you ever sold, then what if you just did 11 or 12? Like mm-hmm. what if you just increased it one per month or something really like that seems manageable and easy to kind of excite do. yourself to get to? Yeah. And then you just do that. And then don't worry really about how that plans out for an annual goal. Just worry about the 12 weeks. Like, okay, if I just, I just want to improve upon what I've done before. I don't want to set some gigantic goal that I'm like, you know, immediately behind on in week one. That's the problem that a lot of people have is (laughs) you, you know, and, and, you know, I've heard this, you're saying this stuff and I'm listening and it makes sense. But I've also heard the opposite. I've heard set extreme goals, set goals that are that are way beyond what you can do and uh, and aim high and do all. I mean, we've we've argued that point plenty of times. But I think you well, so and I don't want to like read this book on on your own time, people. But like I'm just trying to explain what. And I'm not done with the book. I've gotten through the section about how to create the 12 week. You, you don't know how you don't know how it ends yet. I don't know how it ends. <laughs> <Might not. laughs> they get to the end and they're like, "This actually did not work out. This right. was a this was a test." That's <laughs> how this not. podcast is going to end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, but I'm you know generally you're still supposed to think you're supposed to think about like a long-term big picture and what does that look like what is your vision for the future and like think big because you do have to have you know as they say like you have to have a really big vision to get you up every day and do those things on that 12-week plan (laughs) that you don't want to do right and so you they start by still making you think really big long term but not putting specifics on it just because if you started to ask yourself, how, well, how would I do that? Like, let's say you're, I'm sure again throwing out random numbers, but like, I want to sell 2000 units one day. Well, cool. And then that starts to seem like, well, how do I do that? Right. And then am I supposed to know how to do that right now? No, of course not. That would be insane. But that's what we do to ourselves. Sure. If like, I, how would I know how to do that? If I knew how to do that, I would be I would doing, be doing it, it. Every day. Well, I'm thinking like when I start a new year of paintings and I, if I would, if I were to put this in the same use this kind of idea last year I did 30 paintings and if I said to myself well next year I'm going to do 60 well how do I do that because this year I only did 30 but if I say well if I look at the last few years in the the first quarter I did four paintings then I'm going to try to do five and then maybe on one of the other quarters I do an extra one or an extra two now I at the end of the year, I'm probably not going to have that major goal. So how do you reconcile that? Well, because you're not you're not working backwards. Well, hold on. First of I all, I guess it's a little different, right? Well, hold on. No, two things. Number one, that made me think of the quote that I always really like from the one thing that is um, success is sequential, not simultaneous. Mm. And just meaning like you don't succeed at everything you're trying to do at the same time. Like you build right. like one thing, like work on one thing 
learn how to do it well, build it into a habit, and then move on to that next thing. So I guess the point- So if I try to do a few extra paintings than I would normally get in in a quarter, then what I'm learning in the process is maybe how to streamline other processes so the following year- I get even closer to that goal. Well, because it compounds on itself over time, like whatever skills you're using to increase and improve, they continue to compound on themselves. But you also like you wouldn't just say, well, I want to do 60 next year. You're thinking like really like long term in the future. Why are you painting? What are this is a weird example, but like, because why? Why would you? paint because you can't make any money as an artist no i'm just kidding what <laughs> she said that oh my, oh my god i'm just kidding no she's absolutely right you make <laughs> no. money on the prints not on the actual painting i'm totally just kidding though but like in that example why why do you paint what does that do for you where do you envision taking that career right long long term and then you kind of you're not working the big picture number like you're not saying i want to um you know paint a thousand paintings a year and working that number backwards you're just saying this is why I'm doing it and why it's important to me. And then I want to just improve a little bit over last year's numbers. And what did I do in quarter one? I painted 30 paintings. So this year I'm going to paint, what did you say? I don't or, know, like 35. 35. Okay. So I'm going to paint five more in a quarter or whatever it was. Um, that's ins- that's those numbers are way off. Just that's, so <laughs> you guys know, they they take about seventy hours. Piece. Well, yeah, I said I said <laughs> in the quarter, and yeah. that's yeah, that's crazy. But but the point is just to you're just trying to focus on the shorter term shorter term bursts, right? <laughs> and by doing that, you'll hit your goals, and then that creates momentum. So when you're planning that next quarter, you want to improve on upon everything that you've done right yeah or the quarter before because see real estate is cyclical so like our quarter two is probably just in general better than quarter one anyways yeah so i wouldn't say right so why planning quarter two right and say okay well in that previous example i want to do uh nine units in quarter one and then what if quarter two we normally do um 15 15. well then i wouldn't say i only want to do Right. 11. I would right. say, well, let's you increase that to 17 or, or 18. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just a just, little better piece by piece. And overall, it's going to yeah, be because a o- lot. Otherwise, yeah, you better. get started. It's the new year. You get started on that first quarter and you're shooting for these numbers for the whole year. And, and you've got it all figured out. And the first January goes by and there's you're below what you wanted to be. And then you throw your hands in the air and go the whole, the whole year is shot. Now <laughs> I'm, I'm in constant catch up for the entire year instead of doing this uh, quarterly based off of your numbers from an, uh, uh, from the years past yeah. in those quarters. Small wins are important. A small win, <laughs> small win, <laughs> but yeah, well, and, what I like about this is because it's it is just so true. It's like if you have a deadline, like if you're going out of town, you somehow manage to get and I know that this is kind of a cliche thing, but like if you're going out of town on vacation, you manage to get everything done that you were supposed to get done. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get even more busy and or busier and um and you're just running around like crazy, like, how did this happen? I'm supposed to be going out of town. But it happens every time. And yet you get it done. You figure out a way to get it done. So the point is that just having a deadline forces you to work towards that goal with more sense of urgency. So I'm super excited about that. And the only thing though, like I think everybody, you know, we're heading into a new year. 
So everybody starts creating like New Year's resolutions and stuff. And then there's like the talk of how New Year's resolutions don't work and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, like, I guess because I don't really care about the celebration of New Year's and planning New Year's resolutions. I'm just, I'm always looking for a system that works better for me. So like this 12 week plan thing, to me, this seems like a system that could help me stay on track more easily. Yeah. So I'm not like starting the new year thinking like, okay, my new year's resolution is to like follow this plan. It just so and happens like, that you're that it reading happens the to book be right the beginning at the of beginning the year. of the year. Yeah. Right. But when you, and that's the thing is like, you can't look at these, um, like resolutions as like, I'm going to do it for this year. I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year because it's the same problem that, and why they wrote the book is that you, it's so easy to get off track if you're thinking about what you're going to do by yeah. December. I'll make up for it then. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm going to go eat this cake today. But I'll make up for it. I'll make yeah. up for it in June or right. whatever. And then we don't. And then we're discouraged and it's really easy to quit. So I think it's just about finding when you're creating goals and it happens to be at the beginning of the year, there's plenty of things to work on to have a better business or be a better agent or whatever you're working on. It's just about making sure that you set it as a goal with intentions and commitment to it, not just like for this year, I'm going to do this Yeah, as a resolution. There's some that I think would be good ideas. Like what? Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> like goals that people should work on. Like you, people like you. <laughs> well, everybody. Yeah. But like goals that people should work on. Like you, <laughs> like people like you. People I think like it's me. ideal to make a habit more so your resolution. Well, yeah, because you're with trying a goal attached to the habit specifically. Yeah, because you, what you're talking about is is you have to make a lifestyle change. You have to make it's because of, then it becomes a part of your life and not like you're fighting yeah. to do something because because that never works. No, but that comes. I mean, for every little thing that you have, there has to be a why attached to it in the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah, because otherwise, how will you make sure that you do that? Yeah. Do you want to do it? Or are you just doing it because you say? Well, that's the whole thing with accountability, you know, like and this. They talk about this in the book, too. Um, but I think that just goes hand in hand. Anytime you set a goal, like, OK, how am I going to hold myself accountable? And or like we think we can hold other people accountable to things. And they talk about it in the book like you, you can't mm -hmm. like the only person who can decide to do something is the person who is going to set the goal and then they have to really be committed to that and people use that word like real loosely and I'm guilty of that too everybody does like oh I'm, I'm committed to this action but then it's like are you really though because it doesn't seem like you are because you know you stopped at 5 p.m. instead of like yeah. <laughs> finishing that yeah that like figuring out how you're going to do that one task people are committed until it is uh kind of a pain and then it's like well oh and that just know. means that it's not a i'm committed i'm committed and it's like well but i really want to go see that movie so you know what so i didn't mean this to be like a recap of this book or anything but uh there's a section in there about uh about that as well and i don't have the book on me so i don't remember exactly but it kind of has a graph of like people get excited when they first start with something and then sure. they get into what they call the valley of despair. <laughs> yeah. I've been there before. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, and, and that's when people like, then you get pessimistic about it and you're like, a, yeah, what's, what's the point it? of this? Why am I going to do this? But that's when you every, every new agent ever. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's where like people, you don't do something long enough for it to actually work. And then it's really easy to, to give up if you don't right. know why you're doing it to begin with. Yeah. And that's where and I think everybody struggles with that. Like why I'm actually literally sitting here looking at the book, start with why that Kayla brought over for me. Cause we're going to read that in January. Um, and like, it's hard to think about why you like, what's my passion? Why, why am I doing this? And it's hard to think about that stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I like to think about things in the future, but, um, it's hard to kind of tie it in and align it with like the day-to-day actions, but that's what you have to do to do the crap that we have to put yeah. up with every day. <laughs> well, it's like, about it's, it. agents. I know, you know what I'm talking about, Gail. It's like the, it's like being an athlete for the Olympics, all of that training and all of that exercise and getting up at three in the morning and running in the snow and all of the things they have to do that's, that's painful physically and mentally. But the why is, is because I want to be standing on that stage, getting that gold medal. And for the ones who want it the most, the, 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 the why, right? It's like, those are the ones who win. That's you like know? Kobe and his inspirational video that he had out I think beginning of the year or sometime last year Hmm. he's he's training before others are training and he's getting other people's training schedules to make sure that he's training a little bit more because he wants to be better yeah I mean that's and and you and if if you don't know what the why is and you don't have that you're gonna have a really hard time I don't mean to go all dark but didn't he die in a helicopter I was just making well yeah making sure this year has been terrible yeah no, this yeah, bad year. But um, I was just making sure that's who we were talking about because mm-hmm. I was you were referring to him in the present tense, and I was like, Gosh. yeah, very sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to know why you're doing things; otherwise, it's really hard to commit to doing stuff that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's easy. I think and it's not that it's easy, but like for most people, if you have a job and you go to work every day and you just are told what to do and you don't have to figure anything out for yourself. You just have like, here's what you do at this time. And then you do this and then you do this and then you do this and you don't have to set any goals or think bigger or do any of that stuff. It's, it's easy to just be like, okay, I wouldn't like that job. Well, and because I mean, because you want bigger things, like you have a bigger vision. So you want to grow and you want the company to grow with that. So I think that's, um, it's just important to always, think about that. And that's what you're supposed to do is like you write down your whole vision and stuff. And then before you start your, your day and and doing, working through that 12 week plan, you're supposed to look at that every morning, which I think that's, that's key to making any successful goal accomplished is like we were talking about at the beginning. I don't think we've looked at this year's goals since we threw them out the window. And now I rewrote them out and I, I tried to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to like, at least stay on track for this year? But then probably didn't look at those for a while, too. <laughs> so yeah. luckily, Pat bought me this really nice little gift for Christmas <laughs> that is going to keep me on top of things. <laughs> it's called the Remarkable 2. <laughs> yes. And it's like a little notepad that has no distractions except, for, well, it's like a, like a tablet where you take notes. No apps allowed. No apps, no distractions. Yeah, just no you, you and your thoughts and writing it all down, which is where I wrote out all of these these plans and stuff. So I'm just going to keep that with me every day. We'll see how it works. <laughs> so what else is on this list? Oh, well, I mean, just I think 
if you're an agent and you want to set goals for the new year to improve yourself, I think the easiest way to come up with what those should be would be to open up the MREA book mm-hmm. <laughs> and go through the goal categories of a real estate agent and figure out how you can improve those and just work on those. What are those? The goal categories of uh, the in the MREA. Here I will tell you. <laughs> are you looking it up? No. What are you doing then? I'm looking it up. I'm not looking it up. I'm looking at my my note that I wrote out to myself so oh. that I would remember. <laughs> um, but the these are the eight goal categories of a millionaire real estate agent from the MRA book. Leads generated, listings, contracts written, contracts closed, money, people, and systems and tools. So those are the categories that you're supposed to be tracking all the time to know like, are you like, how do you improve? What are you doing? Right. Well, whatever. you want to be able to sit back at the end of the year and be, and have all of those numbers to be able to do what we were talking about earlier, which is do a little bit better in each one of those categories. Yeah. So you, but what did we just say? Like you could, you don't have to like write them all out and figure out like, okay, how am I going to improve all of these things? You could just say like, what do I need to focus on this year? Because maybe you lack, like maybe you want to increase your sales. So then you would focus on leads generated and then, okay, what is, what does your current plan and system look like for leads generated and writing out a new goal plan for that and how you're going to achieve that or listings. Like if you wanted to improve your, like getting more listings or improve the system for listings, like how you market them or how you um, take care of your sellers during the process. If you wanted to increase your, um, like your closing process. So close contracts closed. What are the follow-up systems for closings? Like how do you get reviews? How do you follow up with people beyond the closing? Like improving those and working on those as a goal for the new year. Um, budget. I think everybody could improve their budget and like really make that a priority. And that's part of um, actually my 12-week plan. One of the so in the 12 week plan, you have three like priorities basically. And one of them is like maintaining a certain profit margin. And then how are we going to do that? And um, so focusing on that will lead you to having a more sustainable business. So you could create a whole goal around just how to like, whether it be a certain profit margin or just reviewing or just having a budget, like I'm just going to start today by figuring out how to have a budget. What does that mean? How am I going to do that? And then map that out for the first 12 weeks. Just do that. Um, and then systems and tools. That I think that's always a good idea to like, especially this time of year or a little bit earlier is like, are our systems and tools working for us? Do we need a new CRM? Do we need a new phone system? Do we need a new email? I can't shake your head. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Um, Not again. But like whatever the systems are that you're using, those should be evaluated every year to make sure that you're keeping up with things. And then personal education. Oh, I didn't say that one, but that's the eighth goal category. I missed that one on the first round. So maybe you didn't take any classes last year. So make a goal around, I want to improve my education in real estate and specifically about how to X, get listings, increase my my own personal investments, whatever it is, and then write out the goals around that particular thing. And if you just focus on like, look, if you just focus on four of those for this year and four for next year, in two years, you should have a really strong business. Stronger. <laughs> Stronger, Strong. yeah. 
stronger. Never perfect. Yeah. Always, always, always my best. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't take any classes last year and didn't do anything for your, your, to, to expand your, your education, then that's an easy one. Take one class. One. And you're already better off than you were last year. First three weeks, decide what that class is. Well, and actually. Some of this stuff is like, you know, you just have to, you have to break it up into small groups and know, you know, it's like, know that. Is that class going to all of a sudden bring in five listings? No, of course not. But you have to, it, all of this stuff adds up over time. And it, this is not a quick way. We, we say this all the time to uh, like when a new buyer's agent comes, comes in is your first four years are basically going to college. You don't have a job yet. You're doing some internships. It's going to take four years before you under have an understanding and really know. So so if you didn't go to college and you said, I'm going to get into real estate, why would you think that you could be in real estate for six months and and have this stuff all figured out? You can't. Because HDTV. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't. It's going to take a long time. So so if you if you want to be successful and you want, want it to work, you have to un, uh, grasp the idea that it's going to take time for that to happen and allow yourself to learn and figure it out well and what i was just gonna say is not that you can't get into real estate and then like be successful in terms of like if you're comparing yourself to others like oh i did more sales than the average agent does in their first year cool it's not that you can't jump in and do that. That's the beauty of this business is that there is a pretty low cost to entry. You don't have to have a college education. Like I don't know. Some states might be different, but like here, you you really only need a GED in Florida. And um, so it's pretty easy to get into the business. And if you know people and you're not afraid to ask for business, it could be pretty easy for you too to just kind of get rolling. That's... but. You- Okay, go on. I was just going to say, but to actually know what you're doing and create a long-term right. success that can't be taken away from you because the market shifts a little bit right? Um, or something like pandemic happens yeah. that, that you can sustain, you have to improve yourself. Yeah. And the only way you're going to improve yourself is to set goals and I think specifically around those categories. Yeah, you uh, that and that I wasn't talking about, oh, I did more sales in my first year than what the average agent does. That's not a business. That's that's you hustling, and hustle only works so well. You can't get by on. You can't build a business on hustle only. You've got to build the other parts of it. It's that three little pigs, right? You got to take the extra time to build the brick house that can't get blown over, and that's education and all of those other things that take years of trying to better yourself and the understanding of what this business is uh, so that so that a shift in market, which would be the big bad wolf, isn't going <laughs> to blow your house down. <laughs> You're still good at Ta-da! analogies. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I actually that's what I always say. Like I'm I got into the real estate market at the worst possible time. And it was also really good because it forced me to yeah. learn fundamentals and it took forever, but it, it was good in the long run Yeah, that I had, I was forced well, we to saying, figure out like, what are the foundational pieces? Here comes, for, here comes a sports metaphor, but I know. Yeah. But I always thought of getting in the business when you got in, in the worst market in our lifetimes 
um, was like swinging two baseball bats in the on-deck circle, two heavy bats. So when the market changed, you threw one of those bats down and you can swing a lot faster and stuff. So you you learned um, in the worst possible time so that uh, when the market shifted, you had the fundamentals down and you knew what you were doing. So if you're a new agent now and you're out there busting your hump trying to get listings and you think about how to get listings and you work really work on getting listings and you can pull some listings in a market where listings are really hard to get. Imagine how far you'll be when the market shifts a little bit and it's a little bit easier to get listings. You're going to have it all figured out. So true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take a break? Sure. Okay. Let's take a break. And we're back. Hi. Hi. New Year's Eve is coming up. I know. Woo-hoo. Bed by 10. I know. I just told somebody that today. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'll be in bed I heard, by 10. I heard you. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and she you was like, it. oh, really? You don't care about New Year's? And I'm like, well, I mean, it's not like we're going anywhere. I don't need to yeah. stay up way past my bedtime <laughs> for no reason. Because, again, to me... I mean, it's cool. Like, I'm glad this year has sucked and I'm glad that we're moving into a new year, but it's just another day and we've got stuff to do the next day. The more exciting part is the starting fresh. Yeah. Not the celebrating and bringing it in. Well, it's so funny. And it falls on a Friday. So it's like starting fresh. Everything was on a Friday this year. Yeah. Everybody got the oh, short right. on the stick. Um, I know everybody started off 2020 thinking it was going to be like yeah. the best year of all time. Remember all the yeah. memes? Yeah. Like, it was a yeah. Friday the 13th and it was, yeah, everything. Everything was Friday yeah. the 13th. <laughs> it and it disappointed us all. Um, but we were talking about goals. Yeah. So on Friday when you wake up and it's January 1st and you're like, I got to set some goals for the new year, which I'm sure everyone will do. I literally will probably sit outside. Hopefully it's a little crisp out and I will go sit in the sun like I like to do. And I will take my little remarkable two notepad and I will continue to write out my goals. Um, Because I like doing that. Show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then, you know, when it comes to the accountability stuff, we were talking about how you're the only person who can hold yourself accountable. But what I have found that is helpful is to still have a buddy, a buddy system. Hey, buddy. For whatever you're trying to achieve, because even though that person, they're not really holding you accountable to anything like if, if, for example, my personal trainer. So I hired a personal trainer because I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be really unhealthy and I don't want to be that way. And I'm not going to work out by myself. I don't I, I wasn't um, I wasn't finding the time for myself, no matter how much I tried. So my my intention was if I hire a trainer then I have somewhere that I have to be. I'm paying that person and it will force me to go. And then over time I'll build a habit. And, um, and that, that works like if paying someone and, and then just the no, just knowing that they're waiting for you can help you show up. So with business goals, like I'm not saying that you pay someone, although I've heard people like writing checks and things like that, but, um, just having somebody that you can check in with that, that is at the same level of commitment though. You know what I mean? Because if I've had times where I've wanted to do script practice and somebody will say, Oh, I'll do script practice. And then by like week two, 
Yeah. They're over they're it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, and they're like, oh, I can't do it today, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's okay once or twice. But if you're serious about improving your script skills and that person isn't showing up, then it's time to find somebody else. Yeah. And um, so with the, the trainer example... I mean, I'm paying her, so she has to show up, right? <laughs> so so she's always there. And then I know that I have to show up because I've made that commitment to being there and she's going to ask me if I don't show up. So over time, that's just built in a habit that like I have a set schedule of working out. And every now and then I do have to move it. I mean, we all have like sometimes the schedule just gets moved, but I always try to replace it. I'm doing ninja, yeah, <laughs> ninja workouts. Yeah, if you cancel it, you have to move Just it somewhere move it else. Somewhere else. And then what I've found is I want to add more. So like I've now built a habit, and I'm f- like I feel more flexible and I feel stronger. And um, <laughs> I feel cheesy talking about it, but um, more mobile. I can like like squat touch your and toes. Get back and touch my toes. And so I want to do more, and I want to see more improvement, and then. I don't want to pay for another session though. I want it to be cardio. And so, um, I asked her if I could just like, I, first I asked her, can I just pay you to like basically text me on Saturday morning and make sure that I did it? And she's like, well, I wouldn't charge you for that. So I was like, okay, well, let's see if that works then. Like if there's, if there's no payment, will I still do it? I still do it. Well, it did though, because (laughs) now I've built a habit of like my, my, I'm, I'm accountable to myself first and foremost, but I've told someone that I'm going to do it. So I haven't even, she hasn't even had to check in with me. So like every Saturday, except this past one, cause it was the holiday that was intentional. Um, the every Saturday for like over a month now I get up and I do my cardio and then I text her and I let her know before she ever even texts me. And then, I, and then like after the first week, I started adding other things. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do like some bicep curls. I'm going to do this or that. And now I'm like improving every week. So the point is, is that you can, you're only, like you have to be committed to it. You have to know why you're doing it. And I know why I'm very like, I know exactly why I'm working out, what I'm trying to achieve. Now I have somebody who's my little accountability buddy that I know I have to report to. So that helps me keep myself on track, even though I'm committed to it, it just helps me like move forward and right. know that I have to show up. I have to do it because otherwise that person's going to wonder why I didn't. And I don't want to look bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that kind of little buddy system I think is really helpful for building, building on that. And then what happens is over time you improve and you're excited about it and you're past that valley of despair or whatever they called it. Right. And, and now you're you super, keep it well, up you're seeing you results. Like it. Well, you're seeing results and you're, and you're excited about yeah. like, oh, what if I did this right. another day a week? Right. Like well, then what would happen? To take it back to the, to what we were talking about in the first segment is, is if you set up your 12 week plan and you set up, I want to do three more sales than I did last year in this first quarter and you do it, you're going to see those results. It's going to make it. You maybe you maybe you go up another ten percent higher in the second quarter than what you did in the first quarter. You know you may because you're seeing the results. It's like you have and if you set up to do three more than you did in the first quarter, and then the first quarter goes by, and you actually did one less, you can't. That's the 
valley of despair. But you it's have not to the, imagine if you wait. If I did one less than than what you did last oh, year. Oh, last year. Yeah, that could be disappointing. Yeah, that's your valley of despair. <laughs> but you have to keep going because even in working out, you don't work out for two weeks and go, "Look how much stronger I am. Look at how much more. it it takes time." Well, it takes time. And also, I think you could look at, I would assume that at that point, though, you could probably look at your your projected like pipeline. You know what I'm saying, Gail? Right. Like you would see, yes, maybe I didn't hit the units I wanted for this first 12 weeks. But the work I did. But is I can show see up. that it's all happening right. and that in the next quarter, all right. this is, I'm actually going to exceed what I was going to set as a goal for myself. Which makes even more, that's why it makes even more sense to plan on these 12 week goals because what if, what if I set these plans and then this really like it works really well and I'm like, oh, I'm actually, we're going to exceed these, these goals. We should actually up things a little bit yeah. for the next plan or that was too much and we need to back to right. <laughs> whatever, but that's the whole point. And then the other thing they talk about in there is you don't necessarily know like like if you're if you're working on the plan and the results aren't showing up, well, maybe what you've got as action items aren't the right activities. Right. And so but you can't start adjusting. And this one really resonated with me because I feel like I've heard this many times from agents and people that have come in and out of our team, too, is like they want to like they're not seeing results fast enough and they want to change things. And they're like, what else? What else should I do? And it's like, just keep doing yeah. those things. And if you stick with something, it will turn out, you know, and it's, it's not the, um, you shouldn't adjust the plan. Basically. I think they say in the book, you shouldn't adjust the plan unless you have executed everything at a really high level. And if right. you can't say that you honestly have, then you should be working on executing at a higher level, really committing to those things. And then if it doesn't work, then adjust the plan. Right. Isn't it like, isn't there a quote for that? Like, don't adjust the plan, adjust your strategies or I don't know like that, that one, but there yeah. that sounds like something that somebody said. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a killer original. Right. I don't know. It's a few of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited for 2021. We've got our goal set. And make yeah. this happen. We're gonna do it. <laughs> High five. So what's next? Um, I don't know. What should yeah. we do? I think uh, I think we have a question, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh oh, technical fail. No, I, I hit my headphone on the microphone. Oh, but I'll, I said maybe I'll, I'll edit it out, but, but I, probably pro not. I probably won't. So. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Okay, question from the web. Okay. I have a listing presentation next week for a FISBO listing that I know from my SOI. I toured the house and checked out the condition of the home. Let's just say it's a little outdated. The FISBO owner has it listed at 397000 and the CMA I did is at 375000 Based, It's based on the square footage and the condition of the property. The owner had another appointment with another realtor and told the that realtor told the owner that the price point is 405,000 at the highest point 
I don't know how the hell they got that number. She held an open house by herself, and most of the feedback is that the price is too high. What do you think that other realtor is trying to do? I believe, I believe in my CMA, and I believe it's correct, and I don't know how to handle this. Any advice? They're hmm. trying to lie their way to take that listing. <laughs> well, I think that well, that's probably true. But how do you how do you handle the situation? Well, I've got a couple thoughts. Well, first thing for I think um, so. Um, sorry, I'm processing. <laughs> like CMAs are not. Um, it's not a science. You know, it's a, it's a market analysis. It's very subjective. So there is. Although, Kayla, you're probably right. Like there is still a chance that somebody could pull comparable houses and come up with four is in our area. Anyways, you could come up with four hundred and something thousand or you could come up with three something very easily, um, depending on which comparables you use, because we've got a lot of neighborhoods where houses were built in, you know, the early 1920s to 1960s and then you've got like some houses that haven't been touched since then and some houses that have been fully renovated and then you have some that have been renovated like with really high-end finishes so it it really depends on the comparables used so what is probably happening i think the guy said um what is the other agent trying to do yeah (laughs) so one scenario is that they just don't know what they're doing and they pulled the wrong comparables the other scenario is, yeah, unfortunately... They know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> well, sometimes I think agents do tell people what they think they want to hear to get a listing. Well, I think this said that it was listed as a FISBO at 397 mm-hmm. And then one of these other realtors that came in for a listing appointment said, oh, I think at the high end, we're at like 405 or 410 mm-hmm. So they're already coming in saying your FISBO prices could be too low. And then this, the person who put in the question, their CMA is coming back at 375 And that's right. like in the middle is 375 Like the probably, I'm going to guess, we're talking more like 365 Well, so again, I would say like, yes, there are plenty of agents out there who shouldn't because it's against our ethical code. And a lot of people don't realize that. (laughs) But um, if you take your NAR ethics class, you'll be reminded that you are not supposed to tell a seller like you're you have an obligation to tell a seller if their house is overpriced. Um, And I do that often. (laughs) But sometimes like truly there is a range of value. So there is some chance that maybe the person that did the CMA just doesn't know what they're doing or pulled the wrong comps or whatever the case may be, or they are trying to get the listing by telling the seller what they think they want to hear, which is like, Oh, I can get it sold for you for more because maybe the first sale by owner is very sensitive on their net. And so the only way that they could work with an agent is to actually sell it for more money to, um, or at least what they say, they would only work with an agent if they could net the same amount of money, which would mean raising the price from where they currently have it listed. So that is probably what the agent is trying to do. So you're saying that the, that maybe that FISBO owner said, um, yeah, said that, well, once I pay my 3% to the buyer's agent, I'm going to walk with. X amount and that's what I need to walk with. And so the other agent said, well, we'll raise the price Well, yeah, to, they, to this. That way you're going to pay my 3%. You're going to pay the buyer's agent 3%. You're still going to walk with the same amount 
well, whatever their, yeah, whatever their commission rates are. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what I have. Yeah, well, we, I don't even know what, exactly where this, I'm just using that as an example. I know. I just like to give you a hard time. I know you do. <laughs> um, but yes, they could be just trying to kind of convince them that like we can sell this for a higher price. We'll list it for at, like 400 something and that way we'll cover all your closing costs and still get it sold for you. Um, there's plenty of agents out there that use that kind of strategy. They shouldn't. But I mean, again, there's a lot of real estate agents and some of them aren't realtors either. So they don't have that code of ethics that they're even following. Um, so what do you do in that situation? Um, a couple things. Number one, I think you have to understand the for sale by owner's motivation because, um, when you go, you know, you've got the the for sale by owner who's already listed at 397 and they're getting feedback that the price is too high. You have to understand why they're selling. And if they're serious and motivated, then you can explain to them, you know, if you want to get your house sold, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Here are the comparables. You show them the comparables and ask them what houses did your, did this other agent actually show you that had sold that were comparable to yours that gave them that price and ask them to tell you how they arrived at that that other price. Right. Because usually through that question of like, well, I'm just curious, what were the properties that, you know, so-and-so agent gave you that had sold that led them to for whatever, they would say, oh, I don't know. I, I didn't see that. Because the say. market doesn't go off of what the agents say. It goes off of, I mean, if it's a loan, what it appraises at. Or- well, yeah, but you get a fast talking agent who's saying 410 is like, look, we've got, we've got all the, we'll get the photos in here. We've got all the marketing. We're going to get it out there. We're going to get in front of people that you can't get in front of, blah, 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 blah. And then you've got this poor agent who's come in with a CMA at 375 trying to compete against, compete against, uh, a, you know, an agent who talks, who who talks so fast that they didn't bother showing any of their CMAs? So well, what? So what are they supposed to do? Go back to the you, what? Say well, you should go back to that first agent and ask them. Well, no, like, you ask. You, you know, know, you just ask in the consultation. Like, I'm just curious, what properties did they say had sold nearby that led them well, to four ten? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't show me any, but they assured me that that's what they could get. Okay, well, let me go ahead and open my computer and I'm going to pull up the multiple listing service and we're going to go ahead and take a look at what has sold recently in your area. And then I'm going to do that in front of them right. and show them what has actually sold. Which we've talked about before. Is very, is, that's a that's a really smart thing to do is to actually oh, op- open your computer. Do the CMA in front op- of them. Yeah, do the CMA right in front of them. That way they can, they're seeing how it's done. And Be that, skilled at it first before yeah. you whip out your laptop. Yeah, know, <laughs> well, know hey, what you're doing, but yeah. Well, so let's revisit that because we did talk about it in one episode and I don't remember which one to plug yeah, it. I'm not sure. Um, But it's not, you're not doing a CMA in front of them because by the way, right. like people don't know what adjustments are. Um, They don't understand that the value of their pool is not the $50,000 they spent installing it, that it's whatever the market says that it's worth to buyers in the area. True. And so you don't actually want to be doing adjustments in front of them. But what I suggest and what I like to do is to actually walk them through and say, okay, I'm going to open up my computer. I'm going to show you what an appraiser is going to do. They're going to look for homes and then I'm going to you know, put in the map search. They're going to look for homes that have sold, that have actually sold within a mile radius. 
And um, I like to go in some neighborhoods. Like I like to go a little bit even smaller window, like half a mile. And I'm going to look for homes that are similar to yours. So like a few hundred square foot larger, a few hundred square feet smaller. And then, you know, depending on the house, like what other criteria is important for that neighborhood. So like if it's a three bedroom, two bath and that matters, you know, then you might put the actual bedrooms and bathrooms in um, single family home versus condo townhome, et cetera. I'm going to put all that in and then I'm going to show them the list and say, okay, so in this area for similar homes, the price range is anywhere from 300 to 450. So what we want to do is figure out which properties are the most comparable to yours, because obviously that's a really big gap, right? And then you're going to go in and you've already know in your mind which ones you think are the most comparable. Right. So you're because you've pull. already you've already done this. Yeah. Before you've gone in your listing appointment. To so see. then you're going to pull up the ones that, you know, are most comparable and say, OK, so have you seen this home? No. OK. You just <laughs> want to know if they've actually been inside it because then they're going to be like, oh, but that one's not as nice as mine. Um, so you, you're going to show them the photos and you're going to say, okay, so how, how would you say this ranks compared to yours? Would you say this is superior, inferior, about the same? Yeah, that's pretty similar actually. Okay, great. So, so that one sold for three sixty nine. Okay. Now let's go on to the next right. one and I'm going to walk them through that. And then I'm going to say, okay, so now let's look at the pending sales because we're in a market that the, the prices that have sold might be a little bit lower than where the market is today. So we want to, we don't want to underprice it, right? You want to make sure that they understand you're not trying to underprice it. You're just trying to find a place where it's going to strategically generate the most possible offers and the best exposure for the listing so that you can get the best price. So then you're going to walk them through the pending sales and see it, you know, which ones are most comparable. Okay, great. So it looks like they're about the same prices as what had sold. And so we're looking at somewhere between about, you know, 375 and 365 is where all the homes that you said were most similar to yours have either sold or are pending. Now let's look at the active ones and see what the competition looks like. And then you're gonna look at the active ones and you're going to see where those are priced so that, you know, if, if the market is declining or appreciating and that kind of thing, and you want to show them like, okay, great. So if we priced at 375, we would still look like a really attractive option for this size home in this area. And you wouldn't have too much competition at that price. So how does that sound to you? And at that point, I mean, they're the ones who told you that that's the right price range, not you telling them. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing with, any, and it's not just FISBO because FISBO is a whole nother thing. So maybe I didn't like answer this question very well, but like for sale by owners already think they can do it themselves. They picked their price. They think it's fine. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, I don't need to give it away. Like that whole thing. But whenever you're presenting a CMA, you're not actually like pulling out, or at least I don't do this anymore. I don't like pull out a CMA every now and then. If it's somebody I know, I'll do a CMA for them. And send them the price, like the price range, if it's like a past client or a sphere, because I don't need to build that trust with them right. that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. They're going to be like, sure, that sounds good, because I've already built that trust trust over time. But with people that don't know me, I want them to see that this is the right price and take me seriously about it. And then at the end of the day, they're the ones who chose the price, not you. And as long as like we're on the same page and they're not like, I see everything you just told me, but I think I, I'd but still, I still like think, to go right. with 410, 
you know, then and you they, have, and they do that. They do. And then you have to decide, am I willing to take that listing? How much overpriced right. is it? And how many times have you taken that listing? Um, you've done all of that and said, this house is going to sell for 385. This is what it should be listed for. This is what it's going to sell for. And then they say, yeah, but I want to do 425. And you go, okay. And you have taken the listing. I'm more than one occasion, many occasions that I can think of specifically that house sold for 385 and not one time do they ever come back and say, yeah, you were right. (laughs) Let let them go through the three months of pain. But well, specifically like right now, this market's crazy. So again, like this potentially I mean, we, we kind of gave the guy with the question the benefit of the doubt and assumed he knew what he was doing since he sounded so confident about it. But there is also likelihood that he's incorrect yeah. mm-hmm. and that the market is appreciating at such a fast rate that the other agent is like, by the time you get this thing on the market with me, we're going to need to price it at 410 to be like in the right price range. So you have to watch those those market numbers because you could go into an appointment and tell someone a price that really is legitimately too low. Because everything that's pending is twenty thousand more. So yes, those things have to appraise, but somehow they sometimes they do, and you're like, Take it by. how did that one appraise for that price? It doesn't matter. Now it's a new comp. And guess what? Now the market, like all of a sudden this price should be twenty thousand higher than when you talked to them three months ago. Um, and they're finally ready. So, you know, you just have to walk them through and make sure that you're just asking them questions and when they say but I really want this price I think a lot I think a lot of this comes with um, experience and um, being comfortable in your own skin and not trying to rush through a listing appointment and 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 getting getting nervous and and you really have to this is a comes with practice and being relaxed and kind of and listening not just hearing what they're saying, but listening and then knowing what to say next. And that's only going to happen the more you do it. Also, I'll just say like, I think, um, cause I'm, I mean, no one's perfect and we're seeking our best, right? Um, I still, sometimes you'll go into a listing presentation and you've never seen the house, right? So like, you're not, if it's a, neighborhood with that's really eclectic it's like you might kind of have an idea i mean you should have a general idea of like where the right price may be but it's okay to also like during the the consultation be like and i've done this before be like okay great so we all are on the same page we're going to work together and um we're going to move forward and we're general generally agreed that this is sort of the price range we should be in now what i'm going to do is now that i've seen the house i'm going to go back and i'm going to do a full market analysis and i'm going to give you what I suggest is a strategic price. And I've gotten paperwork signed before. Not always. I'm not a miracle woman, but I've gotten paperwork signed before with no price on it. And then I go and do the market analysis like in depth to make sure that we're, we're choosing the right price. And then we pick it and then we just initial the change to the price. And I've done that before. And most of the time that'll work pretty well. Um, if, if you, if you feel like you've gotten to a point with them, that they, you can tell that they're, they trust what you're saying and that, um, and they're also in reality of that range that you're giving them. Like, okay, we're going to pick the best strategic price, not just a random number. What's going to get you the most exposure. And then I explain what that means to them and then say, okay, great. So we're going to sign everything now. I'll call you tomorrow. We'll pick a price. Sound good later. Right. And, 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 
And next <laughs> next episode, we'll get into how to make sure that you're the last agent. Oh gosh! In there, giving your presentation and not second or fourth. Well, one of my thing, one of my goals for this year, it's not like strategically mapped out in the 12 week, the first 12 weeks, but like just an overall general theme of everything that I want to, um, to master this year is all about listings because I, I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time and I still consider myself a master of buyers, but not sellers. And that's just because buyers like just, there's just so many of them always. And like, it seems like everybody that you get referred to as a buyer. And so, um, even today, like I somehow was talking to like a new referral and it was a buyer. I got a text yesterday from one of my um, core people referral. Awesome. It's a buyer. Okay. More practice. Yay. (laughs) But so my, my goal is to really become a master of listings. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, but yet still haven't figured out how to do it (laughs) is that um, I think it's better to be the last agent. So we'll talk more about that and how to yeah, make sure that happens. We will. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> What's next? We're going into, uh, I think we're going into small wins. And small I, wins. I did not prepare one. <gasps> oh, no. Small win. Small win. Small win. Kayla, do you have a small win that isn't about a football team? <laughs> no way, sir. Yes, I do. Uh, so our countertops were at last installed Wednesday night. Um, so that's a small win. We got that and our sink and faucet. They're not hooked up yet, but they're going to be hooked up tomorrow. So nice. probably two more nights of eating out or ordering in and we can finally start more home cooking. Oh my gosh. How long have you been eating out? Oh my gosh. Literally since October and I'm so tired of it. Yeah. I just want salads for the rest of my life. I hate all these restaurants around here now. They're delicious. <laughs> they are. Mills 50. Love you. <laughs> um, I'll go next. Okay. My small win actually it happened on Wednesday the 23rd. Yours did too. Mm-hmm. Um, my my brother wasn't able to come visit us for Christmas like he usually does. And so I was determined to get all of his gifts because I had everything shipped to our house thinking like with good intentions that he would get to come and visit. But of course, COVID um, got in our way. And so I wrapped everything and put everything into two perfectly packaged boxes and got them in the mail, shipped out on the 23rd. They arrived on the 26th and we had our our little virtual Zoom Christmas Dang. Which was just as cheesy as it sounded. Isn't he at cross country? Fun. He's currently he's currently in Dallas, but oh, he's, fair he lives in LA most of the time. They're quick, fast. Nice. Um, but they've basically been yeah. USPS Dallas, their home came base. through. Yeah, I know. I'm so surprised. Without a hitch, it yeah. was two two day delivery, yeah. and it actually yeah. was. It was hey. fine. Yeah. So we did our little Christmas, and it was it was fun. Yeah. Well, my small win is Santa brought me a. <sighs> Well deserved, in my opinion, <laughs> upgraded uh, camera. Woo-hoo! So I got a brand new camera. More pictures of the dog. <laughs> and and uh, I've spent the entire day today working on uh, trying to figure it out. And I got a pretty good. I got all the photo photos parts figured out. Mostly, I'm using real estate as a uh, as a as test. a yeah as a test. So trying to. Um, get all the photos 
to look better than the last camera, which was super easy to do. See, even Pat yeah. seeks his best. Yeah. And now I, I worked, well, I don't know, like eight hours today on video, just trying different styles and bringing it in and editing and all that. And I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I need another day. You all know right. what, though? That's a tool. That's one of the eight goal categories. Boom. That we're 2021, coming yeah. in with a new tool. <laughs> yeah. You've now got a new tool, and you're going to, yeah. you're not probably going to write out goals. your education but on it. You're going to figure yeah. out how to use it really well. Yeah. I won't write out goals, but yes, I will. I know what the goals I'll are. I'll do what I want. <laughs> it, will t- it will take a while and, and stuff. There's always a learning curve whenever you upgrade um, on this level of, of equipment. And stuff. So the good thing is, is that I understand photography really well. And it's a why. What? And it's a why you enjoy it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that too. <laughs> and stuff. So yeah, it, it'll it'll take another few weeks of the learning curve of figuring it out. But um, yeah, I'm excited to 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 keep working on it. Hashtag worth it. <laughs> awesome. Well, so. we're wrapping up 2020. Yeah. Wish well, you health and. Happiness well-being. and success. And oh, happiness too, yeah. All of those things. In 2021. Yeah, which will be next week for us. Yes. So we'll see you guys next week. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions or stories to us at our website, onseekingthebest.com. You can leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Send us a tweet at seekthebestpod. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. And yes. next year next year. (laughs) Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.